Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. I want to take a moment to welcome all of our campuses that have joined us today. Many of you know that we are one church in many locations. We have 12 campuses, but today we probably have about 3,500 campuses. Come on, somebody. I want to welcome the Shenandoah campus, the Oak Hills campus, the G-Town campus. Come on. Where you at, Manshack Place? Come on, holler, holler. Even the country club over in Port Allen. Come on, somebody. I love, this is kind of a unique, historic you know, day for us. We've launched a lot of campuses, a lot of environments. Uh, aren't you thankful for technology? You know, I, I'm really grateful, grateful that, uh, and we've got such a, an incredible platform to be able to experience the presence of God together. You know, we've got a handful of us here in this studio, uh, but I kept thinking about on the other side of that lens, you know, there's on the other side of that, that cell phone or that iPad or that laptop, some of you, you're airplaying, you're broadcasting this on your TV screen right there in your living room. It's amazing what's on the other side of that lens and what we experience here how you can experience that same thing where you are. You know, I, I think it's, it's powerful. You think about a single mom with some kids, you know, think about college students. Some of you are watching this with your roommates right now. I think about married couples and their families. I think about, uh, you know, the, the, those that are in all different walks and seasons of life. And so uh, I, I want to say this, thank you as your pastor, and we all feel this as a staff, but Rachel and I just want to say thank you for your willingness to adapt and adjust. You know, making changes. I know this has been a crazy week. Um, you know, information is released and it changes moment by moment. We felt in our heart to, to make a decision really based on two things. You know, I know this is a, a unique deal, but there were two things that really motivated me, and I feel like we're right where we need to be as a church. And the first is respect. You know, it's respect, and then it's responsibility. Number one, to respect the state and local authorities that God's given us. You know, the governor made a proclamation, and, you know, man, after prayer and consideration, I just felt like it made sense to cooperate. You know, it shows honor. Man, we're working with the Office of Public Health and local officials here doing everything we can to add value to our community. So out of respect for him, you know, we felt like it was important to uh, adjust our services, but then also a sense of responsibility. You know, there are many that are affected by this virus that continues to spread, and we have a responsibility to really to, to the most vulnerable among us. We can't forget that. I mean, maybe you're at home right now, and you're healthy in your body, but I want you to consider those that have maybe gotten some bad news or, you know, as this thing continues to evolve and spread, you know, we've got to be mindful of our responsibility and health helping to create an environment of health. And church, you've done that so well. You, you really have. It, I'm just so proud, I'm, in, in a good way, I'm so proud to be connected to your heart for people. And honestly, I've gotten a lot of criticism. You know, I mean, everybody's got different opinions. Anytime you make a decision, somebody's gonna have something to say. Well, where's your faith, man? I can't believe, man. You're, where's the faith of the church? You're shutting the doors. <laughs> 
Honestly, it takes more faith to adjust your service schedule than it does to do the same things, you know? And I really feel that even in this chaos, there is some kingdom opportunity. And you as a church have always, you've put God first and you've been willing to sacrifice for others. And so that just means so much to me. I think we'll look back at this moment and we'll see, wow, God birthed something new within the church and it becomes a catalyst for something that we could have never created. And so thank you for your maturity. Thank you for your love for God. And uh, man, we're just gonna stay in our lane at HPC. Can I have a good amen? Amen. Cool. Well, look, I, I couldn't get into the word before we do this. I want you to say this after me. Say, I'm here. I'm here. Not because I have to be. Not because I have to be. <laughs> well, kind of because I have to be. <laughs> Come on, but because I want to be. Come on, say, it's not a me thing. It's not a you thing. It's a Jesus thing. Say, I'm not perfect, but I serve the one who is. Say, I love you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. Help me not to leave like I came in Jesus' name. Come on, put your 10-string instrument together today. Now listen, try not to touch three people, but say, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Uh, I, I want to talk to you out of Psalm 91. Um, and this has quickly become one of my favorite passages in all of the scriptures. Um, this was really birthed out of a, a kind of a routine that Rachel and I have every day. It started when the kids were young. I would pray Psalm 91 over my children every morning on the way to school. And, um, you know, and j- in fact, six months ago, I really felt God laid it on my heart just to memorize the whole chapter. And I, I love the word. I love scripture. And, and you know, just committing this to memory, rehearsing this over and over again. I speak it over my son. In fact, last week, I, it takes 30 minutes for us to get to school. So about five minutes into the drive, I'm, I'm rolling into Psalm 91. And Trevor's like, Dad, can you dial it back a little bit? Can you wait until we're like two minutes out from arrival? You're going to be talking the whole time. But uh, so I, I found myself speaking this over him. And as I was trying to bless him, man, the word was really blessing me. And so I felt God say, hey, bless the whole house. This isn't just for your kids. This is for all of my kids. And so Psalm 91, and if you've got your Bible turned there, I know on the lower part of the screen, we'll have the scripture up for you. But the Bible says this in Psalm 91, scripture says, he who dwells, somebody say dwells. dwells. He who dwells in the secret place. Can you say secret place? He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, if you're taking notes, because we know that history makers are note takers, write down the word dwell. I thought that word just popped out of me. He that dwells in the secret place. The word dwell means to sit. It means to remain. It means to stay a while. It's the opposite of visit. It means come to abide, take your time. You know, it's interesting that we're kind of in a a season because of what's happening around us. We're shifting gears and we're having to slow down a little bit. You know, that that word dwell, I think it has massive implications. Sometimes we're we're in such a hurry that life is blurry. But yet this word says to dwell. You saw what I did there? You saw I threw that little Hamanism in there. But it says to dwell in a specific place. He that dwells in the secret place. Now, you know, there are public places and then there are secret places. 
Right now, everybody is up in arms over public places. We're trying to regulate what happens in the public place. You know, how many know you can't always control what happens in public places? But God says, I want to meet you in a secret place. You know, so for us as the body of Christ, I got to surrender the public place, but I have to pursue the secret place. God says, come meet me. Come abide. Take your time in my presence. That's so important for us because now, especially in times of crisis, we need to find that secret place. The secret place is the presence of God Almighty. Now, it's not necessarily a geographical location. Sometimes it's your vehicle. Sometimes it's a prayer closet. Sometimes it's a, a coffee, you know, and it's, it's your, your scriptures and your, your journal. But you got to take your time in the secret place. There are several things that we find in the secret place. And here's what I wrote down. The first is this. We find patience, not panic. In the secret place, you're going to find patience, Instead of panic. You know, when I'm in the presence of God, things slow down. And I think it's healthy for us to pump the brakes. Sometimes we hydroplane over the most meaningful things in life. But the secret place will will help you discover patience instead of panic. You know, patience is a weapon against deception. When you slow down, you're not going to buy into the hype or the sensationalism of things. You see, sometimes the enemy wants to accelerate the pace of your life so you miss out on what's most important. I've discovered that it's really hard for God to speak to a busy spirit. You know, if you're always, I mean, if you're 90 miles an hour on the inside, God's like, well, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. I'm trying to talk to you. Slow down, dwell, embrace patience. In the secret place, you find patience, not panic. But you know what else you find in the secret place? You find wisdom and not worry. Come on, can I have a good amen? Amen. Wisdom. Oh, if there's ever been a moment or an hour that we need wisdom, it's now. You're not going to find wisdom in the public place. It's only in the secret place. Wisdom instead of worry. You know, part of the plan of the enemy is to create such fear and worry in your soul. I mean, some of you are physically exhausted because emotionally your world is just upside down. And God's saying, in my place, in my presence, in this secret private space with me, I'll give you wisdom. You know, I remember growing up as a kid, my dad would always, he would say this. He would talk about the newspaper. I mean, he'd also talk about the Bible. He'd say, because back in the day, dad read the newspaper every day, just like Pastor Johnny Green. Johnny's got to read that newspaper. Come on, baby, blue eyes is not on the internet. He's checking the paper. But dad would say this. He would say, son, if you want to know what's going on, read the newspaper. But if you want to know what to do about what's going on, read the Bible. You see, the newspaper will give you information, but the Bible will give you wisdom. You see, in this book right here, we're going to discover what to do with all the information. You know, honestly, there's been a temptation for me just to, I'm checking social media, man. I'm, what's the latest? What's the latest news update? And man, where's the virus spreading? And what are the cases in Louisiana? And, you know, if, if I'm not careful, I'm reading all the news, but I'm neglecting what God's telling me to do with it. 
man, you cannot let your spirit get drawn into fear and worry. The secret place will teach you wisdom. I'm thankful to be a part of a church and a staff and leaders who are not led by emotions or feelings, but they're led by wisdom. The Bible says in Proverbs 24 that wisdom builds the house. You know what's built this house called HPC? The wisdom of God Almighty. And people who are patient and people who hear the voice of God and they walk in his ways. The secret place gives us that. Are you with me? You know, the third thing I wrote down is this. In the secret place, not only will you find patience instead of panic, wisdom instead of worry, you will find sacrifice, not selfishness. Secret place will teach you about sacrifice. You see, in times of crisis, the best leaders demonstrate sacrifice, not selfishness. And the sacrifice you demonstrate will set an example for others to follow. Others will follow that same sacrificial path. But you know what? If we're walking in selfishness, it'll teach others to be selfish too. And I wonder, is it possible... You, know, you think about the virus, think about where it came from, how it's spreading and the response, you know, internationally and, and even here among us. I mean, the stock market's going crazy, the, all the travel restrictions. Man, you can't even find toilet paper. <laughs> I mean, the, the grocery store shelves are empty. Um, man, there, there's just a lot. And, you know, you, you're trying to process all of it and make sense. Okay, well, God, where are you in all of it? Where is God in all of it? And I wonder if God would possibly be allowing this to wake up his church. To wake us up. You know what it's forcing us to do? Get out of our comfort zone. You see, if the church stays in comfort, we never grow. If we do the same things, we get the same results. This is forcing us to be creative. Like here we are today on a Sunday in this studio. You're at your house. I mean, this is very different than what you're used to. But God in his sovereignty could allow something like this to help teach his church how to respond. You know, the spirit of the church is strong and it's growing and it's moving forward. Can I have a good amen? Man, this is not a time for us to shrink back in fear. I think, you know, crisis will reveal certain things. Crisis will strip away things that you once thought are important, but they're not. A crisis will bring you to a new place in God. Boy, I'm getting fired up in here. I, I'm, I need a seatbelt to stay in this chair right here. You see, the first century church was under such severe persecution. They tried to stamp out the faith of the early Christians. But guess what? The spirit of the church was so so strong that instead of persecution killing it, it actually exploded it. You see, watch this. The second century church grew not under persecution, but under plague. You see, in that day, there was sickness and disease that began to spread, and people were fleeing highly populated cities. But as people were leaving, the church was coming in saying, what can we do to serve? How can we help? You see, at every moment in history, the church has only moved forward in power and in provision because of God's hand. I want you to know something about this church. We're more than a building. We're bigger than a service. But we are an army of compassion. And we're in streets. We're in neighborhoods. We're in communities. We're in homes all across this region. There are thousands of people that are gathered right now experiencing the presence of God. The church is not retreating. The church is not going backwards. 
God's hand is on the church. And I feel like for us as a spiritual family, there is tremendous opportunity in this moment. I feel it. Listen, opposition sometimes is disguised or opportunity is disguised as opposition. You think, well, it's an obstacle. It's a problem. What are we going to do? And God's saying, no, no, no. Hidden within this is a kingdom opportunity. You know, we talk about throwing a party, a house party. I love that. There's just something about a party that's so Louisiana. You know, I mean, hey, we crazy Cajuns will find any excuse to have a good time. Somebody say, aye. <laughs> Y'all didn't sound very Cajun today. <laughs> but you know what? Think about, think about the chance we have now. There's, a, a, to me, a transition of empowerment. You don't have to go to a building to worship God. You don't ha- have to wait for a sermon to win your lost friends to Jesus. Guess what? God is now empowering you. He's putting you on the front lines. You're now on the playing field of making a difference for the kingdom. You say, well, Mike, I thought that was your responsibility. Isn't that what we're paying you to do? You're the professional Christian. No, no, no. Our job is to teach and equip to empower you to win your neighbors, to win your friends, to influence your coworkers, to affect, uh, 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 I almost said infect, <laughs> Come on, hey, don't you want the Holy Ghost to spread like a virus? Golly, it's got to be more contagious than what we're seeing here on the earth. In your schools, in your neighborhoods, in your classroom, he wants to use you to do it. Maybe, maybe the focus now is beginning to shift. Instead of coming to church on a Sunday to spectate, God's saying, I want you to participate every day of the week. You see, there's empowerment that's taking place, and the secret place teaches us perspective. If we don't go to the secret place, then we miss what God's trying to show us. He that dwells. Let's take the next few weeks and let's slow down and let's dwell in the secret place. Let's get that wisdom that we so desperately need. Let's embrace that spirit of sacrifice that God has called us to. It goes on to say this, number two. He says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, he is my God, in him will I trust. First of all, it starts with dwelling. He calls us in the secret place to dwell. But once we dwell in his presence, then we come out of that and we declare. Number two, we declare. We got something to say. Listen, the world has been saying a whole lot. And we've been hearing a whole lot. But it's time for God's people to declare. Do you know there's power in our words? Your words are containers of power. The words that come out of your mouth, in fact, I want you to see this, your words create atmosphere. The picture that God kind of showed me is like your words are like a thermostat. You know, some of you can feel the weather, you know, over the last couple of days. Man, it's starting to warm up. You know, man, we're, t- uh, we're going from heat to AC now. I-, I can, the temperature, man, we're adjusting. Rachel had the, the therm, it was so hot in the house the other day. I'm like, baby, whoo, are you having your own private summer? What's going on? We've got to adjust that thermostat. And I thought about, you know, our words are just like that. They create an atmosphere. Yeah. Your words, what are the words that you're saying? 
monitor what's coming out of your mouth. We live in an age where we pay so close attention to what we put into our mouths. Fat grams, what's the calorie content? Is this, you know, all natural? Is this, what, you know, uh, gluten-free? We're, we're obsessing over what goes into our mouth, but we don't think twice about what comes out of our mouth. I know you're going to find this shocking, but I love to talk. I do, and it's so funny. The dynamic in my, my home is very different. I know studies say that women speak twice as many words as men. I think on the average, they say a woman will speak 25,000 words a day, and they say that on the average, a man will speak only 12,500. Well, I've discovered I'm not your average man. <laughs> It's kind of backwards in my house. I have words for everybody. You know, the other morning, I remember I came walking in. I was barreling in the house early. I'd been to the gym, working out, getting all buff. <laughs> What's so funny? Came, came home and walked in the door. Man, I was just loud. I was saying something, singing something. And, you know, Rachel was drinking her coffee. I think Michaela had just finished eating breakfast. And, and she's like, Rachel was like, babe, you are so loud. We were enjoying a quiet moment before you came. I just love to talk. Um, but you know what? You got to pay attention to what you're saying. Because it's setting an atmosphere in your home. You're... Your kids are listening to your words. Listen to this. Cold words freeze people. Warm words loose people. Hot words scorch people. Cool words can calm people. Bitter words bite people. Kind words soothe people. Negative words produce negative results. Positive words produce positive results. Every word we speak, it has either a plus or minus charge to it. Think about it. It's either positive or negative. And think about this. God's trying to do something positive in you. But if you're speaking negative, watch what happens. When a positive meets a negative, what happens? They cancel each other out. Some of you are operating at zero power level because of the negative words that you're speaking. God's saying, wait a second, I'm still sovereign. I'm still on the throne. I've spoken some things over you. You're going to have to declare what I say. When our words come in alignment with, with his words, powerful things happen. You know, I, I, again, I'm a words of affirmation guy. You know, I, when we celebrate birthdays at my house, we do affirmation station. We go around the table and we say, here's what we love, admire, respect about that individual. Hey, listen, some of you were so, thank you for celebrating my birthday last week. It was awesome. You know what my favorite thing about it was? Of course, Sid brought the thunder singing the gospel version of the, the man birth. I, I need that on, I need that downloaded, man. I got to have that on repeat. But one of my favorite things, you guys sent me crazy texts. I mean, look, I probably had over 200 text messages. And I just spent all night reading those words. And I'm like, man, no, no, I'm not awesome. You're awesome. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not great. You're great. You know, I, I love to speak life to people. Listen to me, church. I think it's important, especially in these times of crisis, we speak life to people. You got to tell them, hey, we're going to be okay. Listen, we're going to make it. God is sovereign. His word is true. Don't let the negativity around you poison what God's doing in you. Mm -mm. Uh, listen, learn to talk to yourself more than you listen to yourself. 
You catching that? Learn to talk to yourself more than you listen to yourself. Your mind will play tricks on you. Your mind will sabotage things in your life. Next thing you know, you start to listen to all these negative thoughts. No, no, no. You need to talk to yourself. You need to say, whoa, whoa, wait. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. What do we say? Soul, I'm going to talk to you for a minute. Let me just tell you what the word of God says. You know, everybody is declaring something. Are we declaring faith or fear? What are you saying? Don't make God small by the way that you talk. Is your God a pint-sized smurf? Or is he the God of the universe? Let me ask you this. Is God still sovereign? Is he still on his throne? Does he lack knowledge, ability, or power? Is anything too difficult for him? Can he override the laws of nature and give you a miracle? Has the blood of Jesus lost its power? Do demons tremble at his name? Are you created in his image? Will he ever leave you or forsake you? Listen, I think you have answered the problem, the question that a lot of people are asking. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. Somebody say my refuge. He is my fortress. Say my fortress. He is my God. Come on, somebody say my God. Say in him will I trust. Oh, listen, if we could develop a practice of positive speech, listen, your home is now that sanctuary. It's that secret place. Make sure the words that come out of your mouth match the spirit that God has placed on the inside of you. Man, I will say of the Lord, I will declare. Mm, What declarations do you need to make? Quit speaking doubt and unbelief. Get into agreement with God. First of all, it, it, it starts with dwelling. Everybody say dwell. dwell. Then say declare. declare. Now finally say deliverance. deliverance. Look at what it says here in verse 3. The Bible says, surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. I like that word deliverance because that word deliverance means that maybe you once were trapped but now you've been set free. Go, go back and, and look at this verse again. It starts with the word surely. Somebody say surely. You see, the writer here is convinced. I just know it. Oh, I, I just know it. I maybe don't feel it. I maybe don't see it, but I know it. Surely. I, I, I hope that there's some people at HPC that are convinced in their soul. Surely, he will deliver you. Now notice who's doing the delivering. It's God himself. God is our source. Thank God for government, and we're going to cooperate with government. Thank God for medical health professionals, and we're there to serve and assist. But we know that our source of deliverance is God and God alone. It is him. Uh, Now, God uses people. He uses plans. There are opportunities. But God is the source. Surely, the Bible says, he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. Okay, now what's a snare? We we don't really use that word. This is New King James. It's a little older translation. But a snare is simply a trap. 
He'll deliver you from whatever you're trapped in. Some of you for, for weeks now have just been trapped in fear and panic and depression. God's saying, I can deliver you. I, I, I can get you out of that. The snare of the fowler, you know, that was a, somebody who would catch birds. I, I looked it up studying this, preparing what a, what a hunter would do if he's trying to catch a bird. He would take a net and he would spread it out on the ground. And a bird would come and land, couldn't see it, and whew, that net would swallow it up. And maybe some of you have stepped into a situation. The enemy has spread out a net for you. You didn't see it coming. You were just living your life. Walked right into the middle of it. Whew, it's, it's, it's snatched you up. The Bible says God will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. You know, there are a lot of traps that are out there. I want you to be careful. As your pastor, not only do I encourage you, but sometimes the greatest part of love is warning you. Let me give you a warning about some traps that are out there. And thank God for technology and we celebrate that. But be careful of social media. If you spend a lot of time on social media, you may find yourself in rooms and in places that aren't good for your spirit. Monitor your social media intake. I'm not saying don't be aware. Again, the newspaper informs you, but the Bible's going to direct you. I got to spend more time in God's Word, finding out what He has to say about it, than I do what Twitter or Facebook or Instagram has to say about it grateful for all those platforms. Those are platforms that we use to get the message out. But be careful. That could be a trap. The other thing I want to put out there too, another snare is political spin. This is a complex issue. I I get it. But one thing that I've discovered is this. Crisis is human, not partisan. Okay, this is not a Catch what I said here. It's human, not partisan. It's not a Democrat or a Republican issue. Now, sometimes people will, will capitalize on an opportunity to spin it and weaponize it. But, man, this is a crisis where people are being affected. So I, I, we're not getting political in this, regardless of, of, of what your thoughts are on how this thing is being handled. God forbid we spend more time criticizing how it's being handled and neglecting our responsibility to help people in the process. That's a trap. It's a trap. Social media is a potential trap. It's a snare. Uh, the, the, the political spin. Uh, this isn't, we're not spinning things here. We're the church. You know, we're the church. Okay, God, what is our responsibility before you and lost humanity? What is our responsibility to the most vulnerable among us? Well, we sacrifice. We can't be selfish. I can't, I'm, I have no time to point fingers. I got to extend a hand. And church, you do that so well. The last, the last thing I wrote down as far as a, a potential trap is, is feelings and emotions. Feelings and emotions. We are created with feelings. We're emotional people. I know I am. You know, man, right before we, right before we started this service, all of us were standing here in this studio, and, and man, we, we were praying. We were praying for you. We, we were praying for this moment. I was thinking about your families, your children. I, I'm thinking about what's happening in the streets of our community, you know, and it, it brought me to tears. You know, I'm, I'm thankful that we have the passion and the emotion to feel. 
but we can't be led by our feelings. Feelings can tell us where we are, but faith tells us where God is. And so part of this process is moving from feelings to faith. God says, if you're trapped in feelings, I can deliver you from that. He says, I'll deliver you from the snare, the trap. And he says, also from the perilous pestilence. God says, I'm going to deliver you from the perilous pestilence. What is that? That is sickness. It's disease that causes trouble. This psalm was written thousands of years ago. And guess what? It was true then, and it's still true today. There's no virus or sickness that's greater than the power of God. Man, the blood of Jesus, it still heals. God saves and delivers. And so, you know, this this disease that we're battling right now and how it's spread, and and we're still trying to understand that, uh, I think the sovereign hand of God is going to help us through it. Now is not forever. It is not forever. Today is dark, but it is not forever. God says, I'm going to deliver you. Do you receive that today? I want you to embrace that. Let's dwell. Man, let's dwell in his presence. Let's declare. Man, we're going to say some things this week. Some of you need to start a practice right now and sit down with your kids and say, hey, here's how we're going to, de- here's how we're going to define this. You know, listen, use your words not to describe your situation. Use your words to change your situation. But then trust God for deliverance. Trust him for deliverance. You know, the Bible says, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge and my fortress. He is my God and Him will I trust. Surely He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the perilous pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers. Yes, under His wings, you will take refuge. You will not fear the arrows by night, nor the terrors by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at the noonday. A thousand will fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Only with your eyes you will look and see the reward of the wicked because you have made the Lord, who is my God, your refuge, even the most high, your permanent dwelling place. The Bible says no evil shall befall you. Neither shall any plague come near your dwelling, for he will give his angels charge over you to protect you and keep you in all of your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and upon the cobra. Yes, even the young lions and the serpents shall you trample underfoot. For the Lord declares, because you have set your love on me, therefore I will deliver you. I will set you on high because you have known my name. When you call upon me, I will answer you. He says, I will be with you in trouble. I will deliver you and honor you. With long life, I will satisfy you and will show you my salvation. Can I have an amen for the word of the Lord? Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.